0: And Barnes, head right high! It's a
1: Wednesday, April 12th, and welcome to the Just Baseball Show. My name is Peter Apple, and I have Arm Leighton joining me. We've been covering a lot of forms of baseball on this podcast this week, which is awesome because baseball is in full swing. Yesterday's podcast, we did a lot of college baseball stuff, and of course, we're covering MLB every single day. And today, Arm Leighton is the perfect guy to give us the prospect report because the minor league season is now underway too. But of course, we have some news and notes from the MLB Arm, how are you? You're back in New York, yeah. right? You've been in Florida for a while. You're back in the city. It's actually a nice day today. Weirdly, Dude. the first time ever in a month.
0: It was crazy. I walked outside. I was like, man, I, I like because I was I was really nervous to come back just with how nice the weather's been in Florida, how good it's been down there. I walked outside. I was like, man, this is really nice. I can get used to this. So hopefully, hopefully it stays this way. But it's perfect. Like this is a time of year where going to the Mets, Yankees games. Uh, you just can't really beat it with this kind of weather. And I know the crowds are going to be awesome for those ball games, but it's good to be back. Uh, We'll we'll be doing the live show. I'll be hopping on the live show later today as we're recording this to to give out, you know, some of my picks. That's been fun. Uh, But yeah, I'm excited to be back in New York and, you know, kind of
1: get back to the grind. You also have a softball game and I know your hip is, you know, not a (laughs) hundred percent. Are you what's, what are the goals of your softball game today? Stay healthy
0: stay, stay healthy. healthy. Number one, first and foremost, stay healthy. Uh, number two, I, I just, I just want to be able to not pop it up. Like I, I want to hit the ball and run. Like that's it for me. Like I don't want to pop it up and just stand there. Like there's no worse feeling than popping up in in softball. So I'm excited. It's stay healthy. Don't pull anything, have fun. Um, I think I'll be the youngest guy on the field. So if I pull something that is just like even more embarrassing, So hoping to stay healthy, hoping to play well, Uh, but I'm pumped. I'm pumped to just be able to like swing a bat. It's been a while.
1: Pretty shitty transition just because it's really unfortunate. But if we're talking about injuries, we should start with Tim Anderson, who is going to be out two to four weeks for the Chicago White Sox with a sprained left knee. It's just kind of the same story for the White Sox again, right? Like Eloy is out and Thank God it's not rest in peace like the White Sox social media likes to make it out to be. But, of course, he's still out. And now – and it's that same – I think it's the right leg where it was like a calf and a hammy. And it's just – it keeps boiling over. Now Tim Anderson is involved. And Tim Anderson is a guy who, you know, I think we spoke about on our preseason episode. And I was like, I kind of want to take his under hits. And Jack told me I absolutely cannot because he looked great in the World Baseball Classic. And if he stays he's healthy, he's going to soar. But my thing was – He hasn't been healthy now for a while, and it's hard to rely on him. And that's why I think when we look at this White Sox team, it's clear the talent is there. Some games, they look like, wow, maybe this team could win the World Series. And then there's other games where I think to myself, is this the worst overall team in baseball? They're so hit or miss. And losing Eloy and then now Tim Anderson for two to four weeks. And with a sprain left knee, like two weeks doesn't seem like that's actually going to happen it just sucks for the White Sox and it sucks for Tim Anderson.
0: It's so you remember the, like, we were talking about it maybe a little over a week ago. And I was just said something about the White Sox. I'm just like always waiting for something to go wrong. And, and we were talking about how just, it just doesn't, there's always just like shadow that's being cast over this group, because how many times have we tried it now with this group, right? Of Luis Robert, Johan Moncada, Tim Anderson, like all of these guys, that, it just so much talent on paper, great team to play with on MLB, the show, but just can't stay healthy and, and and can't really consistently put it all together. Uh, Jack had a tweet today too, basically showing the the polarity of Dylan Cease versus the rest of the rotation's ERA, and it's absolutely nauseating. It's like Dylan Cease is you know sub two, and then the rest of the rotation for the White Sox is above six, which was what our worry was all along. My thing here and and what's really tough is it just how does it come together for the White Sox, right? Like. I think you're going to continue to see guys alternating time on the IL. And I love Tim Anderson and he's, he was off to a pretty good start this year. So it really stinks to see him get hurt. Part of the minor league report actually will tie into, you know, who they're bringing up to replace him and Lenin Sosa, who has been fantastic in AAA so far this season, uh, you know, for the white Sox. but it, it just, we we were always kind of thinking about it, Peter, like what is the best case scenario for this White Sox team? And we could think about all of the things that could work, you know, all of the things that could come together for them to to be able to click on all cylinders and potentially win the division. But it's becoming harder and harder and harder to envision any of those things coming together at this point. And I think it's almost becoming impossible to envision those things coming together because uh, it's so many different aspects of the game between health, between injuries, between inconsistent play. Uh, it's it just there's so many different things that I feel like the variables make it really hard to
1: envision a good White Sox season. And when you look at the rest of the American League, the competition is fantastic, right? The Yankees are playing pretty well right now even though they just lost to the Guardians and they look like shit but that's a, another conversation but they're still a better team than the White Sox. The Rays don't lose. They just don't lose. They beat the Red Sox yesterday by a score of 1 to 0. The Orioles are even looking better. The Blue Jays offense just continues to destroy pitchers. The Twins, like, yeah, how about their they, own division? The Twins? Oh, I haven't even gotten to that or the American League West. Like the Twins are rolling right now. The Guardians are rolling. You know, e- the Angels have been off and on lately, but You can still tell the talent is there. They've just gone off to a little bit of a slow start. The Mariners, who we will talk about later in this episode, slow start, but you just see the potential there too. Then you have the Astros, and there's just so many good teams in the American League that I trust more than this White Sox team so to your point it's just hard to envision a team that's an 85 win team and even 85 wins won't get you in the American League playoffs this year nah. so it's just tough going and especially when you're without Eloy and then you're without Tim Anderson what are we supposed to do yeah right yeah, yeah. like what are we supposed to do so but if, if we're talking about other injuries if we're talking about other injuries Ian Anderson Tommy John Mm -hmm. will be out for the year. And we've seen the Braves not experiment is the wrong word. Just bring up their young guys and see who's sticking right. Jared Schuster, rough first start gets sent down. Dylan Dodd, excellent first start, terrible second start on Sunday night baseball. Bryce Elder has been really the guy to take that fifth starter role. They get back. Kyle, Wright. Mike Soroka still isn't ready yet, but I think one of the, craziest stories in major league baseball right now is the fall from grace for Ian Anderson. Yeah. Ian Anderson was a playoff legend. Ian Anderson was a guy with a low threes ERA for the Braves who flashed an incredible changeup, a, a high spin fastball and good secondaries off those two off those two pitches. And now we look at last year. It was terrible. Got sent down. Velocity is down no command anymore. And now Tommy John, the Braves are so loaded from top to bottom. So they're one of the few teams in baseball who it's not like this doesn't matter to them, but they just have so much backup, but it's just such an incredible story. How a guy can go from so fantastic, one of the best young pitchers in baseball to being in the minor leagues. And now Tommy John, it's just a complete fall from grace for Ian.
0: Yeah, it sucks, man, because you mentioned like the, the dominance that we saw. I mean, this is a guy that in two two times in the same series against the Dodgers was lights out, right? Like this was a guy that was looked unhittable against some of the baseball's best lineups. I I almost catch a silver lining in this, though, because like we were struggling. You and I were talking about it for a while. Like what what could this have possibly come from? Uh, and maybe this will this Tommy John surgery will somewhat explain some of the fall off stuff wise, command wise, just a little bit of everything. Like at least here, we have a diagnosable issue. Like they don't just do Tommy John to do Tommy John. Obviously, as you see, how was torn and he needs to replace. Like hopefully that maybe explains what was going on uh, and, and maybe some of the issues that he was having. Uh, but it, it really is shocking to see. And at least now we have a tangible issue that he can repair and then see how he comes back afterwards. At, at the very least, this is. Possibly an explanation for one of the more peculiar fall-offs uh, that we've seen in in recent memory, because it was just so quick, so dramatic, and you know, without really much to to point towards any reason why until now. So that's the one silver lining out of this. Wish him a speedy recovery, and uh, obviously, he's he's still really young, has a lot of time to to work back. But um, it, it does impact the Braves' depth if if you don't have Schuster and Dodd pitching the way that we thought they might after spring and some of the other injuries they've had, but. Um, in the Ian Anderson vacuum, I'm just happy in one sense that there might be an explanation for the fall off because I'm sure he was searching and trying to understand what was going on or maybe pitching and not feeling right for a while. So hopefully it comes back and, and looks more like the old Ian Anderson that you know
1: caught us all by by storm. But here's my question, and you might not even have an answer to this because I definitely don't have an answer. And it's just a guess. How long is the leash? Right. Like, let's say, you know, it takes a full year for him to come back. We're sitting here on April 12th, 2024, and he struggles out of the gate. Like, what What do the Braves do? Do they just, hey, you gave us so much value that season that we're kind of going to ride it until whatever happens? Or do the Braves think to themselves, we have so much depth. Like, they're in such a good and bad spot in that way where... It's tough for Anderson because he sees all the competition above him. It's not like it's, you know, for example, the Orioles, a team that lacks pitching depth, even in the minor leagues, and says, well, we have to give him every opportunity because we saw what he could be. The Braves don't necessarily have to, but you have to look back and realize that Ian Anderson, at his peak, was one of the Braves' best pitchers on one of baseball's best teams. I simply don't know the answer to this but I guess what would be your guess of a leash that the Braves would give him?
0: So it'll probably take up to 16 months to get him back. So he might miss a good portion of next season as well. He does have two MLB options or MILB options left. So he can get option to the minor leagues. My, I think the answer to your question would be as long as they think he's worth the 40 man spot. And I feel like a guy that showed you that is going to be worth the 40 man spot. Uh, you know, is is as, as long as as pretty much until he he looks like he can't give you anything at all anymore. Um, and they had a similar situation with like Mike Fultonevich or what I can never say his name, yeah. right, but like they gave him a bunch of tries, gave him a bunch of tries. and then it was like just throwing eighty eight down the middle and it was just like, okay, like no more fulty like we're gonna let this go. Um, you know, because I think he will be a prime change of scenery candidate if he comes back and struggles again, they'll probably just move off. But I think you you got to give him time to work back. Usually guys take a little bit of time to to get the velo working back and and kind of get everything rolling again. So they're going to give them the benefit of the doubt there. I think it's going to be a few more years, really, before they really, really sound the alarms. Unless a team comes by and says, we'll take a chance on him. I don't see that happening. So I think the leash is pretty long, uh, which is really interesting. It's a
1: really unique situation. I guess my point about this was, to your point about Mike fulton as well as like a guy like Sean Newcomb, like these guys. And we even saw them with their... With Dylan Dodd and Jared Schuster, like one bad start, you're back to the minor leagues. I just feel like the Braves, as horrible as it sounds, like don't have time for this. Well, right? Like, I don't know. And maybe you send you know, him to the minors, I'm, though. Yeah. And I guess you just keep him there for yeah. until he shows something. Yeah, I guess that might just be the answer. Um, I guess I'm just kind of nervous for a guy who I really liked. And, you know, I think we're all still rooting for, but. That's the thing with the Braves. They get Kyle Wright back, which is huge. Max Freed is looking good in his progression. He should be back at least relatively soon. So the rotation right now is fine. It's just a really tough story. And to your point, peculiar is the perfect word to describe it because we don't see this often, especially with a young guy like this. I, I get it if Ian Anderson was 36 yeah. and he was just falling off a cliff. But this young getting into the prime of his career off that just doesn't make any sense to me.
0: And it's not just like he like lost the zone. Um, it was also just getting crushed. Like it was it was just a culmination of things. So yeah, I'm 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 hoping he comes back stronger and you know, hopefully this this gives him some answers.
1: So let's talk about some teams that are really struggling right now. And I'll get to a DM that we got on our Instagram at just baseball show. And it was a really well thought out DM. Uh, we'll get to that in a second, but first I want to start with the St. Louis Cardinals, um, because their stats right now, I think, perfectly exemplifies Cardinals fans' worries. And I think a lot of our worries going into the season are on their 8th in OPS and 26th in starter ERA. <laughs> right? So they're, we've talked about this and we continue to talk about this. But I like how we're having the conversation now because I know I've spoken with Jack about it. You've spoken with Jack about it. I don't think you and I have broken down the Cardinals Because I keep looking at each individual pitcher and saying, who can I rely on? Miles Michaelis, we're recording this before his start in Colorado, but he's a guy who has a 12 ERA in Colorado. Right. I don't think a lot of us are expecting him to just have this miraculous start. And even if he does, I'm not fully buying into it because, again, it's the Rockies. Like sometimes (laughs) the Rockies don't show up. So I'm not even putting a lot of stock into that start. You look at Steven Matz again. Command was all over the place, struggled in Colorado. Rockies actually won that game against the Cardinals like the Cardinals. You're supposed to win that game. You keep going up and down the lineup like Jake Woodford showed that if his sinker is working, he can be consistent and keep the ball on the ground. But at the end of the day, the Brewers won that game, right? Like every single pitcher, j has looked pretty good, not like great. And if that's the one guy who you have to rely on, and then Wainwright's coming back off an injury at 40 years old. It's like, it's not that they have to make one trade. They have to make three because I can't rely on any of these starters. And then you get to the playoffs and you're facing these teams with one, two, even three aces. And I just don't see unless the offense goes crazy. And sometimes it doesn't show up. Like, how are they going to win games it consistently? It
0: didn't show up for them in the playoffs and they got bounced quick last year. Right. And so I, this is, this is a weird situation because you don't want to you know, sound the alarms too early. But it, it's, it's one of those things where we, like you said, we saw it coming, right? This was the concern going into the season was, how's the pitching going to look? So when it looks disastrous the first two times through the rotation, yeah, you should be worried. We also feel like they're not going to do anything. So that's that's the challenge. Jamon's probably the only guy so far that every fifth day, I'm like, okay, you, you got a decent shot to win. Like, he's going to give you a good start. Um, Flaherty's been living on the edge uh, he's only given up two earned runs and two starts but he's walked 13 batters in 10 innings that, that's insane so you have a staff those are the only two guys with reasonable you know earned run numbers to their first two starts and then you mentioned all the other guys thank goodness they have two guys in the minor leagues who could probably come up at some point this year and get outs uh, and Gordon Groseffo who is, is pretty boring as a right-handed pitching prospect, but really solid and I think is a better option than Jake Woodford uh, and maybe some of the other guys, uh, depending on how they're looking. And then you also have Matthew Libertor, who I actually think could be very solid for them with how he's looked. And we'll talk a little bit more about him in the minor league dive, but Libby's looked really good through two starts. Stuff is ticked up. Command looks great. So they might try that first. If that doesn't work, then I could see them making a move, but what we've talked about it. Like they have a ridiculous surplus of, of position player talent, and it seems like the more we watch a Jordan Walker, the more confident we are that this kid's not going to slow down, uh, and, and he might just keep doing what he's doing all year long. Nolan Gorman looks fantastic. Like let's 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 make a trade here. So I think they're going to take their sweet time, but I, I I do think that this rotation is not good enough, no matter what anybody does to hit their stride like even if Mats or Michaelis like gets settled in a little bit I still don't feel good about it I don't I, I feel just as bad as we did before the season if not worse it's just that simple
1: I think that's the point we were very worried about it and now I feel even worse than my original worry but to give the Cardinals some credit the offense is real good and it's on the backs of these young guys. Right. Nolan Gorman, you know, I'm looking at Nolan Gorman's stats right now, and, you know, he is crushing baseball 615 slugging, 455 on base, 308 batting average. But he hits the ball hard every single at bat. Like even his outs are loud. His swing looks much better. It used to, he used to kind of look like some big oaf at the plate with this long swing, but he shortened that up. It's clear that he's made adjustments to his setup. His swing is so much smoother and he's barreling everything. Alec Burleson is another guy with a slug over 600, an on-base over 400, a batting average over 300. That's such a good young player, and he's so mature at the plate. Doesn't chase, just so sturdy there. He's even been hitting in the two-hole because I think the Cardinals recognize that he has some special plate discipline and the ability to barrel up balls, and that's not even mentioning the reckoning of Jordan Walker. Ten-game hitting streak, dude's hitting 342, Another guy kind of similar to Gorman where every out is loud when he barrels a baseball and it goes to center field. Sometimes it's caught, but it's hit 105 miles an hour. So it's funny, right? The worry for the Cardinals was the pitching and it's gotten even worse. And then the best part of the Cardinals were these young guys coming up and they've even exceeded expectations. It's just been a strange start to the Orioles. So they've exceeded and lowered expectations on both sides. And it's it, awesome. It's, it's wild. Of? Cause
0: offensively, like you mentioned the guys that are performing, those were the guys that are somewhat role players on this team. Wilson Contreras has been hurt. He has a 508 OPS through these first nine games that he's played. Uh, yeah, Paul Goldschmidt yeah, he took he took 103 off the knee. Yeah, that's just like I was and like, he, I'm sure so, I'm shocked. It, he's back already. If that I'm hit the, me, I'd be out for four years. Like I'm I would never retire. walk again. I'd retire. Yeah. <laughs> Tommy Edmonds sucks so far. Like, we know he's going to be better than a 235 slug. That's yeah. a guy that's going to hit better. Arenado, even 770 OPS. That's below a lot of the other guys that you just mentioned. And Tyler O'Neill got benched and has not been hitting that well. So, the guys that we expect to almost surely hit will hit better. And that'll offset when Nolan Gorman comes down to earth a little bit. And when maybe Jordan Walker comes down to earth, slightly same with Burleson, maybe slightly. Uh, So this is one of the best, if not the best lineups in baseball. And that's, what's so frustrating about this team. So I'm interested to see what they do. And that's also not even mentioning. Lars Newbar, who has not played all year. He's played one game and he got hurt. He's on the 10-day I.O. and he should be back soon. That's another guy who, who just adds a wrinkle to what they've got. So it, it's ridiculous the kind of bats they have. And I, I, I hope they they make a move. I trust John Mosellock. But like, did you learn anything from, from that quick exit last year in the postseason? If your bats stall out, you've got no shot. And it can't be yeah. that way. You need to be able to match them pitching-wise. And then that's where you separate yourselves is with the bats.
1: So moving on to the next team. Um, this is a really cool DM uh, from Austin F O the Grill. Austin Fothergill. Austin Fothergill. I apologize if I messed up your name, um, but Austin says, "What's up, Peter? I'm a diehard Mariners fan who watches the pod every day, and I gotta tell you, I'm worried about this team. <laughs> now, look, I know it's still early, and there's a lot of ball left to be played, but I truly think we are missing Mitch Haniger right now." That's what I felt like was so interesting. He was the longest-tenured Mariners and the heart and soul of this squad. Right now, we have no identity, no veteran leadership, and it looks like each of each at-bat is for themselves and not for the team. I'm often blinded by my biases with this team, though, so let me know your thoughts on this if you get a chance. And the reason I really like this DM is it's not just, hey, we suck right now what's yeah. going on. It's tangible, right? He's obviously a very passionate Mariners fan. I doubt he misses a game, and we love those type of fans. And he pointed out something that I haven't even thought of: the loss of Mitch Haniger, who's a guy who hit 30 plus home runs for this team. I know you love Mitch Haniger, and while Mitch Haniger, you know, isn't the crazy talent, it's clear that they might be missing a guy like that, and it's reflected. Like he's not way off, right? It's not like the Mariners are hitting, and he's just being biased. They're 26th in OPS as a team. This is not the Mariners offense that we expected. And I see what he's saying, especially we saw that game against the Cubs. Like, you get shut out against Drew Smiley? Are you kidding? I mean, that was such a bad offensive performance. And it's been this way. It's just they're not putting together at bats, runners in scoring position, they're not bringing them home. to get bats, they don't look competitive. And I'm a guy who's on the Mariners over win total Mariners to win the world series. So I share his same worries too. You look at the team and Julio Rodriguez has not gone off to a great start. Nobody really on this team has gotten off to a great start, I guess, except Jared Kelnick who hit one 414 feet in that Cubs versus Mariners. Ty France, has Ty France has been good. Hi, France has been good. But sometimes with runners in scoring position, he hasn't come through. Ah, it's 11 games. It's 11, it's 11 games. games. It's 11 games. And that's what we're doing right here, right now, is, is this a legit concern? Is the Mariners offense missing a guy like Ty, or excuse me, not Ty France, Mitch Haniger, who is that veteran presence? I'm left somewhat agreeing with him. And then the other part of me says, man, it's so early. We got to let these guys play and we got to see what we got because we were never worried about the Mariners offense to begin with. They are a great offense top to bottom. They just aren't hitting right now as a team. So, that's my long-winded answer so are, of I'm not sure.
0: Are they? They're missing missing Mitch Haniger because remember Mitch Haniger hasn't even played yet this year. So that that's the thing too, and that's that's part of the reason why they didn't keep him uh, is I think they wanted someone that was going to be more available. It, it doesn't help that his replacement is hitting a buck ninety in Oscar Hernandez, but I think we're expecting Teoscar to pick that up offensively. You know, new home, getting used to that. I, I think he'll be fine. But the thing with Haniger, sure, he's maybe he's a good clubhouse guy. I know he is. Uh, But availability is the problem, right? And he hasn't even played a game yet this year, so I feel like it's hard to say you're missing a guy that wouldn't even be in your lineup right now. Um, My issue with this team is when you look at a lot of their left-handed bats, they're very streaky. I don't love JP Crawford as a hitter. That's the one guy. That's the one spot on this team where I think you could very easily upgrade it. Colton Wong is off to a slow start, you know, so that that doesn't help either. He's hitting 138, and then Jared Kelnick. He's off to a good start in terms of pounding mistakes, but that's a guy that's never really going to hit lefties. Uh, that leaves you susceptible there. Um, and Cal Rally's not really swinging it the way we were hoping to start the season. Switch hitter, but a little bit different there. And then Pollock, who's supposed to be that lefty masher, you know, we'll see if he can kind of settle into that role. He does have a pair of home runs already, but, uh, you know, I think they're, they're kind of trying to find the right lineup here. There's still a lot of new faces. Jared Kalnick's starting to earn a little bit more of the keep in terms of the lion's share of at-bats. And I wouldn't put too much stock into the slow start offensively. I, I think they'll find a way to mix and match, put the best lineup together and go from there. But I could understand the case that they need one more bat here. I, I do think that there may be, you know, one bat shy. Like I don't want Cooper Hummel getting as many hat bats as he's gotten. And, and that's been a problem too. Like they could probably use one more DH masher type, but maybe that's just Pollock taking on more of that role. Uh, I do think the offense is a little bit light, though, in the grand scheme of things, if you look at it now.
1: Yeah, I think it is, too. And I think that was a great point that you made about the bench. Like, nobody on this bench is giving them any production. Like, I'm just going to go through the batting averages of Tom Murphy, Cooper Hummel, Tommy Lestell, and Sam Haggerty. 063, 143, 111, 143. You just can't win games if your replacement guys do absolutely nothing and are just holes in the lineup. And Eugenio Suarez is hitting 326, but he's slugging 394. That's just the complete opposite of what we're used to from Eugenio Suarez. He's hitting a bunch of singles, but the home runs just haven't come. And I said this earlier too, like, Mariners fans are going to start to see what Teoscar Hernandez is because when Teoscar Hernandez isn't seeing the ball well, he's awful. And like the the streaks will tell you that, like he's a guy who will for two weeks will hit one fifty, and then the next two weeks when he starts to see the ball, he hits four fifty with ten home runs over two yeah. weeks. He's one of the streakiest hitters in Major League Baseball, and I think the problem with this Mariners offense is while. Julio Rodriguez is having a good start to the season. He's the table setter, right? When he gets on, they just start to roll. Ty France is such a good two hitter. Like they just roll like that. And when he's hitting like, you know, two he's got like a mid four slugging, like it's solid, but he's not setting the table again. We assume that pitchers would adjust to a guy like Julio after an amazing season. He just has to get going. So, I'm not very worried about the Mariners, but I thought the Mitch Hanniger point was an interesting one and worth talking about.
0: I I do agree with it from the proponent that they could use one more right-handed mat, like right-handed masher in this lineup, if they're not getting the consistent production from AJ Pollock. But I I do think Pollock can, can contribute there. What's interesting to me is looking at the lineup and just kind of seeing it now, um, I don't know if there's a player more more impactful more important to his lineup than Julio Rodriguez. And to your point, 800 OPS is is a fine way to start the season, but I think the Mariners need Julio Rodriguez to be an MVP caliber player as much as almost any other team. I think similar to Wander Franco with the Rays, like they they need him to be a, a all-star at the very least. Like these teams that kind of piece it together lineup-wise with good role players and 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 you know some guys here and there. They really need that superstar to show out. And I think Wander is that way with the Rays, though their offense has been clicking. Um, and I think Julio is that way with the Mariners. They need him to be that dude. Because otherwise, I mean, who's the next best hitter in this lineup? Are you saying Tay Oscar? Are you saying Ty France? Are you saying Eugenio Suarez? Those are all good hitters, but it's a full notch below. If I ask you who the best hitter is on the, on the Mariners, you don't have to think twice. You're saying Julio Rodriguez. If I ask you who the second best hitter is on the
1: Mariners, you're pausing. Am I wrong? You're not wrong one bit. Yeah. You'd you'd think it'd be Teosca Hernandez because of what he's done over full seasons. But when he's in these slides, he's almost an auto out. That's why he's such a tough player to gauge because he looks like Babe Ruth for two weeks. And then he looks like with all due respect to Tom Murphy, Tom Murphy. Yeah. Right. Like, it's like, it's so tough. And Mariners fans, like I'm saying, like, I've watched this guy now in my division for so long. And it's like, yes, Oscar isn't hitting. We got to free out today. And then the next day he starts seeing the ball well. And it's like, holy shit, we're screwed because he could win the game by himself. And it's this up and down with him. And Ty France, you know, is a solid hitter, but he's not like that. He's not a game that, changer. That can exactly. He's not a game changer. Like they have one game changer. Suarez in is guys. similarly like up and down. You have a lot exactly. of streakiness.
0: And then JP Crawford, when he's locked in, he looks like a solid bat. But when he's struggling, I mean, he's it's it's ground out every single time. It's it's six three every single time. So you have a lot of streakiness. You have, you know, one guy that's really that star star impact. So it's going to be interesting to see how they piece it all together here. Still an extremely talented team. The pitching staff and the bullpen is why we we think they're going to still cruise this season. But it is going to be interesting to see how they kind of circumvent some of that offensive, uh, you know, some of the offensive questions. But I think most of these guys are going to get going. And like Colton Wong has proven to us that he can at least be a league average bat. He's not going to be four for 29, you know, the, the, over and over again.
1: They've also had a decently challenging schedule, right? They're going up against the Guardians who don't have the best starting pitching in the world, but they have very solid starting pitching and then one of the best bullpens in all of Major League Baseball. That's going to hurt. But I was just really shocked to see the bats just completely slow in that series against or in the first game, at least against a guy like Drew Smiley, who I was expecting. All right, the Mariners are about to unload today because they're so due. And Drew Smiley is a perfect pitcher to get right against. Uh, But to your point about the rotation and the bullpen, I mean, sixth in ERA for relief pitchers, fourth in starter ERA. They're going to pitch, and that's going to win you games. They've gotten off to a bit of a shaky start, but I think you and I are still confident that they're going to turn the shift. And when those streaks happen, they're almost going to be unbeatable, Yeah. right? Like if Teoscar and Suarez are heating up and so is Julio at the same time and they're pitching like this, that's what my vision was for their world series. If those guys are standing on their head, this is such a tough team to beat because if they score five, it's almost impossible to score six against this team.
0: And again, we talked about Kalanick as the big X factor. I think he's going to continue to be for them. Uh, and, and again, again, you're, you're going to expect Teoscar Oscar and the other guys to get going, especially Cal Rowley, too. I I still really expect him to get going. So this offense will be more than fine, but I am interested to see what they do at the deadline because they could, they could use maybe one more bat. We know they're not going to make a move for any, any pitching or anything like that. They don't really need to. So it'll be fun to see, you know, what, what they do to try to upgrade this lineup Uh, because up the middle for, for the caliber of team that they are overall Wong and Crawford up the middle. When we talk about teams that make the playoffs, we're assuming the Mariners are going to cruise to the playoffs. I still think they will. That's got to be the worst middle infield in the playoffs, uh, assuming point. The, the playoff picture is what we think it's going to be.
1: Unless the Yankees put IKF at short, which they aren't. But, yeah. And yeah, no, I get your point, too. And yeah, overall, I think the Mariners are struggling to start the year, but everything is going to be OK. Yes. yes. And when we're talking about pitchers who I want on my so rare team. <laughs> Luis Castillo is that guy. I didn't even think he had his best stuff in that game. You know, his sinker looked good, but his you know command wasn't all the way there and he was around 94 miles an hour, which we normally see much better from Luis Castillo, and he still held it down. He is such an ace, and I want to pick him every week on my Soar team. How's your Soar team? Yeah,
0: yeah, so I I actually had a pretty solid week overall, so I get the reward for finishing in the top. There's 17,000 people that competed in the miners competition. I finished 1,570th. So my finish, they're not bad at all. Right. I'll take it. So finishing in that range, each different band, uh, you get different rewards. So I was able to get that Francisco Lindor last week, plugged him into my common lineup and, you know, had an even better lineup kind of rolling into this week. So we'll see how they do. What of course ends up happening with me is I've had so much fun with the free miners competitions where you can win those prizes and continue to win cards that I was like, you know what? I want, I want to start building, you know, lineups that I can spend money on. So, uh, what I did is I bought like the starter pack and they'll package like five or six uh limited players that you can get in like a, a package of like for fifty dollars. And so in that package, I got Arias, Graham Ashcraft. When I saw he was in there, I a hundred percent had to pick that up. Uh I got Do- Brandon Donovan. Forced in there was Alex Verdugo. wasn't thrilled about that, but it is what huh. it is. And then Yandi Diaz as well and Kendall Graveman. So that kind of was a way to jumpstart my team. And then I went and, and, you know, did some auctions and bid for some players. You don't have to do that to play so rare, which is so, so cool about it. Because for me, I, I didn't want to do that to start. And then I played the free competitions, which you can use the link in our podcast description to go check it out. When I did the free competitions a couple of times and got the feel for it and saw how the scoring works and saw how much fun it was, that's where I was like, okay, I'm going to spend a little bit of money and, and go enter some, some higher level competitions, but you can enter the the minors competition for free. And it works basically like when you draft your team, that's going to be the players you have all season long, but you're going to continue to accumulate cards because every single time you enter a competition you get a free card reward. So then you'll start to have more decisions to make for your lineup. So I ask you, Peter, you're building a team now. Because some people built it first day of the season. Now you have a little bit of an advantage because you have 10 games or so to work with. Who would be some guys that you would absolutely take now? And, of course, the budget matters too. But put that aside for a second because, like, who are the must Select players based on what you've seen, maybe from the high end and the low end uh, like that. You're really sold on what they've done for me. It's Graham Ashcraft. Like the fact that you can pick him up still for a discount when you have your 120 point budget. No brainer. I'm picking him up. But is there anyone that you think like you're buying what they're selling so far this year with their start?
1: So, it's funny, Jack and I on the last episode we did uh I did five pitchers I really like right now. Like guys who are off to good starts who I believe in what they're doing. You know, mm-hmm. there's one thing to get off to a good start, there's another thing to make tangible changes and look much better. Maybe the velocity is up, maybe there's a new pitch involved, all that kind of stuff. Um so and a way to look at these pitchers is there's a new pitch modeling statistic. On Fangraphs, a guy who I really respect, his name is Eno Saris, one of the best in the business, in my opinion. He came up with this stat called Pitching Plus. It's a combination of Stuff Plus and Location Plus. Obviously, it's early, but something like Stuff Plus is very tangible, right? They compare your stuff, how it moves, spin rates, velocity, all that kind of stuff to the rest of the league. So instead of looking at a guy, oh, he throws 97, how is that 97 working? Right. So this is straight up a plug. Go to Fangraphs, the website, go to pitch modeling, and you can look at how guys' stuff has progressed. A guy like Graham Ashcraft, right, really struggled against right handed bats last year, was terrible against them, right? That was his downfall. This stuff is much better, Sh- shoved against the Braves team with so many right handed bats. And you look at the stuff plus, jumped. Couple other guys I've been noticing. And the main guy that I'm so excited for is Dustin May. I think Dustin May, who ranks up really high in stuff plus, is just phenomenal. Jeffrey Springs, Drew Rasmussen. Springs, those... I'm seeing
0: popular on So Rare right now. That's a lot. A lot of the winning lineups have Jeffrey yeah. Springs rolling right now. Those
1: three guys are must adds in my So Rare lineup because it seems like every single game, they're at least going to give you excellent stuff, which should translate to more strikeouts. And if you have really good stuff, it's just hard to hit. Yeah. Like I remember sometimes like with Dustin May, right? He's really a lot of sinker slider kind of guy. But now he just started throwing this 100 mile an hour four scene, which he should throw more. It's like, why are you, you know, nibbling around the zone when you have incredible stuff like that's ticked up? So those three are the guys who I think are must haves on. So Rare. And you can f- play fantasy baseball with us by clicking the link in the episode description. Yeah, free. You play yeah, fantasy baseball so- with us all year long. No brainer.
0: People have been sending me their lineups. It's been really, really fun. So when you build your team, DM me your lineup, and we can talk some shop on it. Um, there's there was a couple really funny lineups. So we were going back and forth, just like people firing from the hip, because it's all about value too, right? You you have 120 points. The the best players are going to be more expensive. The the you know the 20 points for an Otani. But then, you know, somebody that might be a little bit more underrated is five, six points. You're still in that early part of the season where the the, the values haven't quite been adjusted yet uh, with some of those players that are, you know, on the verge of breaking out. So look and scoop up some guys. We talked about like Labor Torres. That's a guy that's going to be a little bit cheaper than you might think. Like if you're sold on that offensive onslaught, go pick him now. That link again is in our podcast description. And feel free to DM me your lineups because I'm going to be entering the miners competition. You can tweet at us like where you finish, see if you if you can beat my lineup. Um, I I think after last week you might be able to, but I've had some good weeks in other spots. So you never know. I'm not off to the best start this week, but we'll see what happens. I still have Otani in the chamber uh, who's going to pitch at some point. But um, yeah, so I'm really excited to keep doing this. Let me know if you guys have any questions uh, and check out that link in our description so they know that we sent you.
1: I'm really excited for this next part of the podcast because I get to be the John Stockton to the Carl Malone and just throw up alley <laughs> and hopefully you're going to dunk it. And when I say, hopefully you will, this is the prospect report hosted by Arm Layton. And I just get <laughs> to play a point card. So, a lot of different prospects, right? And the call up phenomenal podcast that you host. Jack comes on a ton and you guys really break down the minor leagues in more detail. But on the subject of we're talking about all types of baseball, whether that be minor leagues, college, the mlb you already mentioned the cardinals pitchers we're going to talk about joe waddell and i'm sure you have a couple other prospects that have come to mind who are off to really hot starts that maybe won't help the team this year maybe some will but just guys to watch out for in the minor leagues some teams just to get excited about a lot of these young players so let's just start with the cardinals right we already kind of talked about gracefo and libby but what's been the main point that you're thinking to yourself these two guys like can help right now, which I think Cardinals fans are dying for.
0: Yeah, it's funny because Graceffo is just strike thrower. He's pretty stock, which I hate saying, but he's, he's a pretty stock right-hander. But at meaning that like he's he, there's there's nothing crazy about him, but throw strikes, mixes it up, and I think he can get out. Liberator is, is looking like a different arm. Uh, he looks, remember he's 23. We talk about prospect fatigue. I think Matthew Libertor might be like the poster boy of prospect fatigue or one of because he was traded right after getting drafted by the Rays in the Randy Rosarena and and Jose Martinez deal. And and I feel like that just kind of gives you that that name recognition. And uh, we we saw him fast tracked from low A straight to triple uh, after the covid layoff which was because of how polished he was. So now this is his third stint in triple A. So we're thinking we look at it and we're like, wait, this is his third time in triple A. Well, yeah, because he skipped high A and double A. If he was in high A and double A and dominated there, and then this was his second stint in triple getting his feet wet, we'd probably have a different perspective. So it's funny how those things work. I was a guy that was pretty concerned about Libby. Like the curveball was a little too loopy. The fastball got pummeled. So what did he do? one his fastball's ticked up more than a mile per hour. He's up to 97, 98 now, which he never was. Uh, and the shape is way better. It has more ride to it, more induced vertical break. And now the curveball that was once loopy at 72 is now 75, 76. And with the kind of break that he has on that curveball, that makes a huge difference, especially tunneling off the fastball. Now he has a slider. He's commanding better and a changeup. He's commanding better. This is a legit lefty with a four pitch mix. That has his stuff tick up. I'm buying it. And you look at the starts. He's been lights out. Libby is going to throw meaningful games for the Cardinals this year. I really do believe it. And I think he's going to earn his promotion pretty soon for the cards.
1: So I'm just going to keep asking you prospect questions that I have. And then, of course, I want, you know, any ones that you see that you just want to talk about that I haven't seen. The first one, and you mentioned this to me before we pre-record, something that you really wanted to talk about is Joe Adele. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, talk about prospect fatigue, a guy who's been <laughs> up and down from the big leagues, that's but prospect, still that's prospect.
0: Young. Exhaustion.
1: Exhaustion yeah. is the perfect word to describe it. Like a guy who it's clear, the talent is crazy, right? Tons of speed can play the outfield power bat to ball, but just has not translated into major league success yet. But could he be a guy this year that the angels rely on? What have you seen in the minors?
0: It's I, I don't know if I've ever seen a stretch like this in the minors. It's absurd. And I, I'm i afraid like, I really don't want to slap him with the quadruple A, you know, label at 24 years old in three days. So through this stretch, that is like he's 24. It's too, like Adley's 25. You know, yeah, it's like we got to get these guys second. 24. This is he is homered in one, two, three, four, five, six straight games and hit two homers in the sixth game. So he has seven homers in six games in A Hitter-friendly environment, sure. But dude, that's insane. The problem is then he goes up to the big leagues and struggles, and he goes back to triple and mashes. The one thing that's different, though, is I don't think we've ever seen Adele do this in triple, right? Because you look at what he did in t- last year when he was in AAA. 13 home runs in 40 games, he hit 240. When you look at what he did in triple a in 2021, 23 home runs in 73 games. That's a little bit more on par with the freakish stuff we're seeing right now. So I, I feel like he's got to get one more shot with the big league club, but I wanted to kick it to you in this conversation. I'm seeing a guy that looks more confident that is going to find enough of a stroke to hit mistakes. I don't think he's ever going to hit enough, but if he can improve the approach, he's been walking a ton in triple and run into mistakes he can be a good mistake hitter who's athletic and, and and hits plenty of home runs. My question is, what do the Angels do with Joe Adele? Is he a trade chip? Do you bring him up to the big leagues? Like, do they really need him that much? This lineup is a lot more fortified. Hunter Renfro offers a lot more than you know anything they had last year. Like, what do they do at this point with him? Because if you bring him back up to the big leagues and he sucks again. That hurts his value. Do you leave him in AAA? Let him just put up video game numbers and hope a team takes a chance on him. Like, what do you do with Joe Adele right now?
1: Because the Angels are in such an interesting spot, right? Because they're the one team in the world with an all-world DH, right? They have that man behind me who you see on the uh, canvas, Shohei Otani. So it's not like, oh, Hunter Renfro, you know, maybe he's not that great of a defender. Let's DH. When are you going to DH him? When Shohei's on the mound? So yeah. he, so Joe Adele would play once a week? I mean, that's just not enough. You need him to keep progressing. So the Angels, like, deciding to go get Hunter Renfro, because it's not like you're moving off Mike Trout, and definitely not Taylor Ward, two of their best offensive players. So he really just doesn't have a spot. So what I look for the angels is they have to be in the trade market and it could be for a starting pitcher, even though they have depth there. I think it's got to be in the bullpen. I mean, a guy like Ryan to is off to a horrible start, 15 ERA for him. You know, Aaron loop 13 ERA. Obviously it's super early, but even a guy like Matt Moore, five ERA, Jimmy Herget, five, seven, nine ERA. Like Carlos Estevez has been the guy who they got from the Rockies, but like, Who are the relievers out there who they can add? Because that's what they need right now. It's the bullpen. Because you look at their general statistics over the full season, their worst unit is their bullpen, and it's not relatively close. Now, the starters, you know, there have been some blowups, so the stats are sort of close. But even with blowups, it's still the major hole. So I'm looking at an Angels team who... Ride this Joe Waddell success. If they had an open spot, I'd say start him, Yeah, right? Get him some run. But they having Shohei Ohtani, and then you have three solid outfielders, there's not a spot for him. He's not this utility guy who can go play second or third or no. first. no. You just don't have so, a spot for him. So he so has to be traded.
0: Let him hit 40. <laughs> he's going to hit 40 and, and triple A. I think Because clearly he's figured something out there. And if you're a rebuilding team, why wouldn't you flip a reliever for or two or a reliever plus a lower level prospect for a shot at Joe Adele? Like the Nationals. Let's say Carl Edwards Jr., who looks gross in the first five outings I've seen. Let's say they, they throw Edwards Jr., another reliever and, and an intriguing lower level prospect. And, and swap them for, for Joe Adele. I, I honestly can't conceptualize Joe Adele's trade value. I have no idea, but <laughs> it, it, in that regard, nationals, no brainer angels. At this point, it's like, what are we going to do? You know, they, they're they going to have other prospects lapping uh, Joe Adele. And they've got other guys come, who I think are going to come up and make an impact this year, including Zach Neto, who plays shortstop, who could plug in for them. So I, I look, and he's not on the 40 man. So they're going to have a 40 man issue too. I think we're going to see him traded. And and I think it's interesting. Something to watch is just how crazy he goes, because if he continues to mash and pace triple A, a team will take a chance on him. He he just turned 24.
1: Yeah. And I was looking at a guy like Hunter Harvey. It's funny that you yeah. spoke about the nationals because a guy like that, I wonder what it would take. And I don't think the Reds are going to do this, but it's just a fun conversation to have and just to gauge trade value. And if it would be possible, Like Alexis Diaz with the Reds could be like this could be the start of a blockbuster. Like if you include Adele and more and the Reds are willing to part with Alexis Diaz, which I, again, don't think they would be but that would be a game changer have for to the consider angels. It. You'd be and serious. You'd have to consider it.
0: If, if they attached like a, a real, real legit prospect, Edgar Caro is someone who is off to a pretty good start in double A for them. Logan Ohapi kind of makes him useless uh, in the respect that Caro is flying through the minor leagues. He's a catching prospect, switch hitter, great hitter. Um, I think they're set with Ohapi for the next six years. Plus you package Adele and, and Caro and and go get Alexis Diaz and and some sort of, version of a deal, that would be really fun. So those are some names to watch because I do think the Angels are going to be aggressive on the trade market, especially with you know the way that their system has slowly started to get stronger and they've you know drafted really well lately. Uh it should be fun to see what they do there. But the performance of Joe Adele is exciting there because there's several guys in triple A that are either going to hit their way into earning a job with their team or with another team.
1: With that said though I already know what's going to happen to the Angels because I know the Angels well. You know what they're gonna do. The Royals signed to roll this Chapman in hopes to trade oh him, and the, he's gonna ride this 103 mile hour fastball that he's gonna hold for a couple of months. The Angels are gonna part with Joe Adele to the Royals, get a roll this Chapman, and he's I'll gonna throw up him. because I'll that, but up. you know that's the Angels. Like that's I'll, what's going to happen. I'll, it's fun to discuss actual good trades, but that's. I mean they're gonna go get a roll as They suck. trade
0: Joe Adele for great trade for the Royals, by the way, because they need outfield help so bad. And and that's a guy that can play every day. Let him try. He, if he sucks, who gives a shit? Um, oh my god, I'll throw up on on the podcast if that happens.
1: <laughs> that's what's gonna happen. So prepare yourself. No, Perry, please uh, don't. Next prospect. And this is just like, you know, I have a lot of friends that are Mets fans, and they're just like when is Ronnie Mauricio coming up? And it's like, he is crushing it in the minor leagues right now. He had an incredible spring training. And it's at this point, it's not like Ronnie Mauricio is that 19 year old at the complex or anything like that. He's 23, right? Of course they have Beatty, but he's injured. You know, there's not really a spot for Vientos right now. Of course, there's not a spot for Ronnie Mauricio because he's a shortstop and you have an all world shortstop in Francisco Lindor, but, I guess just for those Mets fans who are calling for Roddy Mauricio after a great spring and then a great start to the minor league season, like what should they be expecting right now? I mean, dude, he looks different. He looks different. (laughs) It it is worth
0: noting. He looks different. Uh, For reference, just even, even the walk department, he's walking way more. He's swinging it better. The problem is where are you going to play him? He's, he's stretched a little thin at short, uh, you could play maybe at third with a big arm, but I'd rather play Brett Beatty. Talk about a trade shift. Here's another one. Ride the hot end. Sure, it, it might suck if if talk about prospect fatigue as well. He just turned 22. Um, or 22. <laughs> like yeah. He's been, it feels like he's 48. Yeah. Uh, but this is somebody that I feel like is a still is proving to be a solid prospect, and and you know, solidifying a lot of the things that we were worried about but he's not going to give you value with the glove. His approach has always been questionable. He's off to a great start. And I think he's really figuring things out in the box, but who's he going to play over Brett Beatty. You talked about Lindor. Uh, He's not going to break in at second. You're going to try and teach him how to play the outfield. Like maybe that's an option, but he's never played there at all. I think he is one of the prime trade chips for a team that we know is going to look to add at the deadline. Doesn't want to trade Alvarez as a future at the catching position. Doesn't want to trade Beatty. I think Vientos and Mauricio, two guys who are limited defensively and offensive-minded and don't have a direct path to fitting in, both could be awesome trade chips. Mets fans should be rooting for Ronnie to keep doing this so that they can go get all of those shiny players that they want at the deadline.
1: My uh, another thing, too, is our man behind the scenes, uh, producer Cohen, Will, He's a huge Mets fan, too, and he had an idea, and I was kind of talking him off it, but I think he's just so bored with Marcana that he was <laughs> like, what if we move Jeff McNeil yeah. to left and put Mauricio at second? And I was like, yes, but McNeil's one of the best defenders yeah. at second base, and he's your guy. You signed him like... You can't just move him for a young guy like that. But I was wondering, and of course, for it's my fun. guy Cohen's sake, who will be the producer or will be is the producer of the Twitch stream and just doing a phenomenal job. I wanted to answer that question for him in particular.
0: <laughs> Look, if they if they desperately needed somebody and left to get by the season, sure, uh, but. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Jeff McNeil's one of the best second basemen in the game. I do like the creativity there, though. Yeah. It's not a bad idea, but Ronnie's never, he's never played a game at second base. So I (laughs) I, I, I just, I could see that being a Mets fans will rip their hair out when Jeff McNeil drops a fly ball and left and then makes a throw into second that short hops Ronnie, who can't block it. And now we got a guy to get on a, you know, little league home run. Like, don't, don't mess with that. Uh, But, I, that's why i think he's a trade chip. It, you got if you got to do that kind of shit to to find a way to get him in the lineup, it's probably going to be hard to get him in the lineup this year.
1: talking about trade chips, Oswald Peraza for the New York Yankees yeah. is doing really well in the minor leagues. like he's just too good for triple A at this point. Yes. and at the same time, Anthony Volpe is off to one of the worst starts of any young rookie in major league baseball right now. maybe the worst start Right, He's great defensively, and he's stealing bags when he gets on base, but he gets on base once every couple of games, and you see the talent, and I know that playing shortstop in Yankee Stadium is a guy that young, and also a guy who historically, even in the minor leagues, goes off to really slow starts. He did in his first year, he did in his second year, and now in the big league, shocker, he's off to a slow start. He just needs more run, but at the same time, when you see Glaber, becoming one of the best second basemen in baseball, at least as we sit here today, you can't move off him. You have DJ LeMahieu, you have Donaldson. You have so many of these guys. Like what the hell do the Yankees do?
0: Yeah, it sucks because to your point, he needs. I want to see him in the big leagues. I want to see to. I want to see him He's in the big a great leagues.
1: Great glove. He's a great glove, and he had an eight thirty three OPS in his first big league stint with the Yankees last year. Like if if Anthony Volpe wasn't the all world prospect, like he would easily be the shortstop be, of be, the Yankees. He's holding awesome. it down.
0: So I I do think that this is one of the ultimate trade chips at, at the deadline. If if the Yankees want to do that. And also, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I think they got to figure out where they're at with Glaber and have more clarity there. If Glaber keeps raking, then you feel even better about that. So process is going to play every day and probably put up fantastic numbers in triple a, and there's going to be no shortage of teams interested in Oswald Peraza, a big league ready shortstop, who is at the very least going to be able to defend at a high level there and, and steal bases. And uh, at the best, you know, it's going to be able to swing it, hit for some average and, and get on base at a good clip. Like. This is a really, really good prospect. It is crazy and a testament to the Yankees that he has no place right now. Uh, and I am interested to see what they do. They do have a ton of a ton of other shortstop prospects, not as exciting. But when you got Trey Sweeney, you've got, you know, even a Roderick Arias coming up through the pipeline. Like they have some depth up the middle that makes me think, OK, you know maybe maybe they're OK with moving Peraza with some of the guys that they have coming up. Um, that might be one of the best options on the trade market. This year, because it would be crazy for the for the Yankees to say, no, we're not moving Peraza, given how blocked he is.
1: Humor me for a second, please don't laugh in my face, but just humor me for the fun of the podcast. Oswald Peraza, Austin Wells, Will Warren and Randy Vasquez for Sandy.
0: I knew you were going to say that. He sucks. Sandy sucks. He did He's, bad that's He's a bad pitcher.
1: That's an overpay.
0: That's a <laughs> drastic overpay. Um, so she said Peraza. Just consider it for Wells. a second. Let it
1: sit in your loins for a second. And just be Dude, like in a crazy world. Could you see it? Is that like a level of package that would be needed for a guy like Sandy? I need a Soto package. I really mm. do.
0: I really do. That's pretty close. Is that? Is it? Uh. James Woods, number like five <laughs> prospect in baseball. Uh, Mackenzie Gore, uh Robert Hassel is a top 50 guy. You want me to give you a Soto
1: package for a guy with a 5'7 ra right now? <laughs> I will say, he barely, though, he barely won the Cy Young unanimously. <laughs> to your
0: point, though, the Yankees could put together a package that could get you almost any player in baseball. Uh, yeah, which, which is nuts. And, and still have a fine system. like still be OK. So that's what I'm really interested. Do you think this is the year? If these guys keep performing, like Spencer Jones to keep going on the farm report, looks great out of the gate. Uh, the, a lot of these guys look pretty good out of the gate. Could you see Cashman finally making the massive trade this year?
1: Maybe. Yeah. I mean, wh- why not? Right? Like, why the hell not? You have all these guys. They're blocked. This is your problem. So go get an area of concern. Now, it might not be Sandy. It could not even be Oswald Peraza. but Corbin Burns. Corbin Burns could be one of them, but another guy with a five year, I don't want these guys like pitch better. That package could work against. for
0: Burns given his, his years of control. Cause that's the only thing for me with Sandy is it's just the years. Yeah. With, with Burns only having two, you, you offer that for Burns. If the brewers are, they're performing too well right now, obviously. But if the brewers fell off, they'd be crazy not to consider that Warren to, to keep on the minor league report looks fantastic as well. I mean, that's another, that's another one that, and, and you look at the brewers system I don't love their pitching prospects. Most of their notable guys are way down there. That that could be a really, really interesting deal.
1: I want Brandon Woodruff. I love him. Big <laughs> and burly and so he's good. Dead. All right. Any other prospects you want to touch on before we say goodbye?
0: Any other prospects? Um, yeah, a couple just like heat cheat guys to to monitor. Tukapita Marcano should be getting called up right now. I don't know why he's not. I other than what maybe the pirates just wanting to let him ride the hot hand. He's already on the 40 man. He's 14 for 28 to start the season with seven doubles, a triple and a homer. Uh, he pretty can good. play all over. Yeah, it's pretty damn good for <laughs> yeah. our for our own Jack McMullen's Indianapolis Indians over there. He didn't get the call up even when uh, when when O'Neill got hurt, O'Neill Cruz got hurt. So to me, it tells me, hey, they don't want to disrupt something that's clicking right now. But that's a name to watch that could get called up fantasy team kind of discussion, something to look there. Buddy Kennedy is a very underrated name. Uh, 24 years old. He's, he went to the same high school as Mike Trout, Millville senior high school, Uh, but just random fun fact, buddy Kennedy went nuts for stretches last year in in, triple A is off to an insane start this year in triple A for the Arizona diamondbacks. If anybody goes down, that could be someone that comes up and makes an impact. He played 30 games with the big league club last year. Uh, But on the pitching side, Nothing too crazy yet. Connor Phillips of the Reds was up to 98, 99. Looked disgusting, as did Andrew Abbott of the Reds. The Reds pitching prospects are off to crazy starts this year, and that's something to watch because all their stuff has ticked up and all of them look really good. So that's another another area to watch in the minor leagues right now too. And then last one, Von Grissom, sitting near 400 through his eight games. Uh, he's sitting for power. The defense looks Fine. Like, I'm wondering, RC has been good, but at what point does Von Grissom come back up because he's been really good so far in AAA?
1: And that'll do it for this episode of the Just Baseball Show, sponsored by BetMGM. If you want to wager on any MLB games this year, all new users, if you wager $10 on any MLB money line, you will get $200 once that bet is settled. Bet with the king of sports books.
0: That's with Anything the code on?
1: JB200. JB200, which you can find in the episode description. Come play fantasy baseball with us on So Rare. And again, helping out our sponsors is the best way to support. Another great way to support is get your Just Baseball merch, which is in the episode description as well. If you don't want to spend a dime on anything, we totally understand. You're not a betting person, totally understand. You don't, you hate fantasy baseball. If you hate all these different things, then I don't know why you're listening. (laughs) But if you happen to be that person, If you could rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and hit that subscribe button on YouTube and let us know some prospects and other takeaways that you're having from the MLB season so far. And if we said something crazy about the Mariners or the Cardinals or any of these teams that you completely disagree with, let us know in the comments section. And with that, thank you, everybody.